Welcome to A New Creation. I'm Phyllis and thank you for joining me today. Every episode of A New Creation is commissioned by the Holy Spirit. It is new and it is from God. We're in a snapshot of a cultural war. It's a cultural war that whether you recognize it or not, we're in the midst of it. This cultural war at its foundation is spiritual, is supernatural, and there's nothing ordinary at all about it. For example, we're watching foundations, ancient foundations, God has established for mankind. We're watching these foundations he's created being rejected, then replaced with human standards. And those standards rebel against the will of God. And slowly and even unconsciously, we begin to accept the works of darkness as being normal. We have to be very careful with that. If we incorporate the works of darkness as a way of life, then we'll lose the ability to align with what God's word says or how God has created us to live. And it's by, we are to live by his divine standards of, of morality. When we begin to accept the world's definition of marriage, when we begin to accept the world's definition of gender, and we accept the world's definition of life, when life begins and when life ends, we then lose our ability to proclaim and obey the word of God because the world's definition of those topics I just named are the opposite of what God's definition are in the foundation that he's already laid for us in his word. There is no compromise when it comes to the word of God. Let's begin with the definition of marriage as God states it in his word. Let's take a look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, and I'm going to read the King James Version of the scripture, and it reads, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh, and they were both naked, the man and his wife. That's God's definition of marriage, and it's in his word. The two, I'll read the, the second part of the scripture, verse 25a clause, and it says, And they both were naked, the man and his wife. And before that it said, And they shall be one flesh. That's God's definition of marriage, and it's clearly stated in his word. Now let's take a look at gender, God's definition of gender. It's found in Genesis chapter 1, and it's verse number 27. And I'm going to read the New International Version of the Scripture, and it reads, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God's definition of gender, male and female, there are only two gender. One is male and one is female. Those are the genders that God created. 
Now the other topic for today in terms of God's definition is where life begins. And God's definition of when life began is found in Psalm chapter 139 and it's verses 13 and 14. And I'm going to read the New International Version of the scripture. And it reads, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. That's the definition. When life begins, according to the word of God, and it begins in the mother's womb at the point of conception. God has spoken and he's very clear as to how he created human beings to live. And he is the final arbiter on all matters. In other words, he will have the last word on everything. The Lord Jesus, who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, will be the judge over all the earth. See, once one begins to compromise and pick and choose what is acceptable for God, according to their own definition, and what is unacceptable without consulting the word of God and his own word, God's, God's word, then a person enters into blindness, spiritual blindness, and don't even know, as I mentioned last week, in the prophetic dream I had, don't even know in many instances that they are in spiritual blindness because they're using their own reasoning. I mentioned last week that the Holy Spirit shared with me a prophetic dream. And in this dream, he expounded on the fact that a person can be spiritually blind. And what he spoke last week and what I'm going to reiterate this week because the Holy Spirit wanted you to mention it again is that when people get accustomed to living in darkness and let me explain that for take a minute to explain that about living in darkness what that means is when a person or when yeah, a person or individual chooses to live outside of what the word of God teaches us and states and uses their own human reasoning or fleshly reasoning or reasoning from the enemy himself, then that's a form of darkness. That means there's no illumination or light. There's no wisdom with it. It's just man's wisdom. There's no wisdom that comes from God, his divine wisdom or his illumination or his light, the light that God gives us, the light that the Holy Spirit provides. And when I say the light, that he provides, I mean illumination. That means the ability to be able to understand. I'm talking about understanding, having a an understanding that comes from God, a thorough understanding of matters. When a person chooses darkness, they don't have the understanding that the Holy Spirit provides, which is the truth. They have their own reasoning, their own way of thinking, their own way of understanding things. And that understanding is fleshly and it's earthly. And it does not give them the truth of how things really are. So that's why it's very important 
when I speak of darkness, that I clarify what I mean. Or when the Bible speaks of darkness, if you're reading the word of God, you'll understand what the word of God means when it's speaking of darkness. So in this instance, as in my prophetic dream I had last week that the Holy Spirit wanted me to reiterate this week, when one is living in darkness, they don't know the difference after they've been living in darkness or thinking that way or living that way over a long period of time. And so the night lights that I referred to that were that were in the building, people learn to operate in darkness. They learn to operate thinking by their own way of reasoning or by the way in which the God of this world teaches them to reason. So every perspective that they have in their life, they will base it on their own reasoning or fleshly or of the kingdom of darkness. So it don't, it will not in many instances, it don't, it does not have the ability or they don't have the ability to know what truth is because of the reasoning and because they've been in the darkness. For the people in the dream, even though they were operating in night lights, it was just like daylight to them. And they did not notice the difference and they never noticed the difference. What am I saying? The longer a person chooses to live without Christ, without the illumination that the Holy Spirit provides, the longer a person lives that way, the longer they will be unable to discern right from wrong truth from error. They will believe that what is wrong is right and what is right is wrong. And oftentimes the Bible will refer to a reprobate mind. A reprobate mind is a mind that cannot discern truth from error or right from wrong. A reprobate mind believes that what is wrong is right and what is right is wrong and they don't possess the ability to understand the difference. And that's the danger of remaining in sin. Yet the Lord, he knows the difference between real and superficial. And he expresses his truth to Isaiah when speaking, he was speaking to those people who claim to be worshipers or followers of his. And he spoke to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. And it's the English standard version of the scripture. And it reads, and the Lord said, because this people draw near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. What the Lord is saying there is that even though the people were drawing near to him and they were speaking words of worship to him with their lips, with their mouth, their heart was far from him. They weren't speaking and they weren't worshiping from their heart. They were worshiping from being taught, taught how to worship, taught how to say the right words. But God, who discerns the heart, he knew better. And it's important for us to examine ourselves on a regular basis to assure that when we are worshiping the Lord, when we're, we're praying to him, when we're spending time with him, and even we're just living out life every day, that we're sincere that what we put before people, what we present before people is authentic. And God wants our authentic worship. He wants people to be real. Today's episode 
of a new creation, his foundations. The Lord Jesus is the standard. He's the standard for everything, and he will not accept less than what he has presented to us in his word and lived when he was here on earth. And also what the Holy Spirit, who's inside of all of those who are of the household of faith, what the Holy Spirit teaches us, because he teaches, leads, and guides us into all truth. There's a parable in scripture called the parable of the wedding garment. And it's found in the gospel of Matthew. It's chapter 22 and the verses 10 through 14. And it's the new living translation of the scripture. And it reads, So the servants brought in every one they could find, good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to meet the guest, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This parable, and remember a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. This parable of the wedding garment is very relevant to foundation, speaking about foundation, because God wants to know what is our foundation? What is the root of how we're living? This man came into the wedding feast and to give you a little background on the, on the parable, it was a wedding feast where heaven, the Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father had sent out different people to gather to come to the feast for his son, which would be the Lord Jesus. And prior to this particular parable, there were other parables that were tied into the wedding feast where people had, the servants had gone out and people had said that they were too busy, they couldn't come, some refused to come. And so the father sent out again, and this is the last time, the last gathering, that the last gathering that he had his servants to go out to get people. And in this time, all the people came in, and let me read the first part of the parable to you again. The first part of the parable, first sentence of, again, I'm reading Matthew chapter 22, verse number 10. It says, so the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. And the back hall was filled with guests. That's very key because they brought everyone in, good and bad alike. That's why this particular person is so unique. And it's important that we understand why this person, by his not wearing the wedding garments, was sending a message there. Not unlike sometimes the messages we send. In this particular case, this man showed, first of all, he showed disregard to the father and the son because they were giving wedding garments to everyone who attended and he chose not to accept one, not to wear one. And first that showed in his refusing to wear one, he wanted to come in 
on his own terms. He wanted to attend the wedding feast, but he wanted to attend it on his own terms. So he didn't, he didn't accept the garments that was given to him when he first walked in. He wanted to come in and he wanted to eat the food. He wanted to partake in the surroundings and, and observe what was going on. But his, his heart wasn't with the father or with the son. As, as the scripture I read earlier, he was paying lip service when he came in, but his heart was not with him just because of his manner, his demeanor, and what he did when he came in. He also came in unaware. In other words, the servants weren't aware that he hadn't accepted a garment like the others who had been in attendance. So he came in like a stealth bomber. You know how the stealth bombers come in undercover? They're, they're dark, so you can't see them in darkness. He came in really in darkness. And the servants didn't notice that he wasn't wearing the wedding garments. What am I saying? I'm saying in the kingdom of God, those of us who are of the household of faith, God has an expectation of us. We have to examine ourselves to make sure that we're in the faith. As Paul says, prove our own selves. Know we not our own self that Jesus Christ is in us unless we be reprobate? What that scripture means and what this wedding garment parable means is that we cannot come to the Lord on our own terms. God has a condition. And when we come to him, we're being transformed in the image and likeness of his son. You come to the Lord as you are in the beginning, that's right, but you don't remain the same. And in this case, this person intentionally in this parable had no intentions in coming to be a part of, let's say, the household of faith, because that's what this is really pointing to, the household of faith. No, he went in as an imposter. And since he went in as an imposter, he was thrown out because he never, he never belonged in the first place. His heart was not open to the feast, open to the fellowship. He went in as an observer, but he went in as an imposter. Much like if you read the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, there was a mixed multitude there. And when they went to different, as they went throughout the wilderness, they went to different spots in the wilderness. Oftentimes it was the mixed multitudes who were causing the confusion. They were not really a part of the household of faith of the children of Israel. Though they left Egypt with them, they were not a part of it. What am I saying? God is not going to accept when he takes his servants to heaven, those who are not a part of the household of faith. And now is to that, the time. Today is today when you hear his voice, not to harden your heart. We're talking about foundations because foundations are very important. God wants to know that your foundation is one in which you are seeking him. How about you? Do you belong to the Lord? Is God your foundation? Just think about it for a moment. In John chapter 8, verse 44, and I'm going to read the English Standard Version of the scripture. It reads, and this is Jesus speaking. You are of your father, the devil, and you will, and and you will do the things that he does. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth 
because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The reason why I read that scripture, that scripture is very important, because often you hear people say, we're all God's children. And what they mean by that is, we all belong to God. We are all created in God's image and in his likeness. He did create all of us, but we're not all his children. And this scripture that I just read in John chapter 8, verse 44, it proves that, and this is Jesus speaking, the first sentence, and I'll read it again. I want to make sure that you're clear on this because many people are walking around thinking that they are they belong to the Lord when they don't. The first sentence in John 8, Chapter 44, it reads, you are of your father, the devil, and you will do the things that your father desires. That's Jesus speaking to a group of people around him. So everyone who proclaims Christ are not his children. And we have to make sure that we are. The word for us, what the Lord wants us to know, speaking of foundations, is that when we begin to pick and choose what is acceptable for this age, the age that we're living in, because we're living in, in, in these times that I mentioned earlier, the times that we're living in today, which is like a snapshot of, of what's going on. We have to be sure that we're not picking and choosing the things that are relevant during the times today that weren't relevant during the times of our parents and our grandparents. See, in order to know the foundations, the foundations that, that the Lord wants us to focus on, that the foundation will be the things that he's established, we have to spend time in his word, spend time with him, spend time being conformed to the image and likeness of Christ, as I said earlier. God, God anoints his people the every generation to fulfill his assignments so that the next generations will build on what we've started and expand his kingdom. God is a multi-generational God. I remember mentioning this before. He's God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, God of Phyllis, God of John, God of Jerry. Just put your name in it. Because he's a multi-generational God. He's the God for this generation and the generations to come and all the generations that have passed because he is the Lord and he does not change. Malachi 3.6 says that. A clause says, I am the Lord, I change not. And God's words, his words don't change. In Psalm chapter 82, verse 5, the Bible states, wicked people do not know or understand anything as they walk around in the dark all the foundations of the earth shake very key scripture because people who are wicked they don't even recognize that the foundations are shaking around them and so this is i've said this before a clarion call for us to wake up and recognize that our foundations should be found in the word of God and what God says about everything. As I said before, what he says about gender, what he says about marriage, what he says about when a 
a child is consumed, a child is, is conceived in the womb. All of those things, God wants us to build on his foundation. There are those of you who are listening to me today who may be thinking about your foundation with the Lord and if you even have any foundations with him. I want to talk to you about that very thing. God wants you to know that he's reaching out to you right now through this message foundation. And he wants you to know him personally as Christ, as his say, as your savior. Repeat after me, heavenly father, I know that Christ died for me on the cross and I know you raised him after three days. Forgive me of my sins. I know that you love me and I love you. Thank you for saving me today. Thank you for joining me today for a new creation. And remember, a new creation exists for you to know how to apply the word of God to your everyday life. Today's message foundation is very important because God wants us to know that every foundation in our lives should be rooted in him. I decree and declare that every soul that's listening to this message today will know that their foundation is found in the Lord and they will repent for those times when they did not have or make their foundations in God. Thank you and have a wonderful day.